one thing led to another, and suddenly they're they're in a sort of street fight. These so you got comic book artists versus street jocks. They were screaming and they were fighting, and all of a sudden it started to go quieter and quieter and quieter. And and Jeff Johnson had just slowly like chokeholded and pinched and done all this kung fu nut stuff, and suddenly just diffused the entire situation in this calm, zen-like manner, like uh, David Carradine in Kung Fu. Hey, you. Thanks for listening. Not a whole hell of a lot to uh, report on the writing end. Just kind of chugging away on a uh, rewrite of uh, the book opener, which was unexpected, but highly welcome. You know, if I'm going to capture the, the attention in the minds of the readers, then these things have to happen. I'm kind of just excited to get into talking about this week's episode. Today's guest is James Robinson, and I've loved James' work, boy, like for a long, long time. He, uh, yeah, he's he's held a good a good section on my bookshelf for many, many years. I was excited to get the opportunity to speak with him. James, along with Jeff Johnson have a new comic book coming out called Rogue's Kingdom, and they are releasing it on Kickstarter on the 13th. It'll be a one-month campaign, and James was willing to <laughs> come on and endure me for a period of time, and uh, it was a, a great talk. I really didn't expect where it was going to go. James is one of these people who really knows his craft and can speak specifically to the reasonings for all that he does. I've read the first issue and I loved it. I'll be a complete shell here. It's great. There's an upcoming uh, episode with Jeff later on in the campaign. And um, Brennan Wagner is the colorist and Brennan will come on the show too for this campaign. So we're going to get a lot of uh, discussion about Rogue's Kingdom. So uh, get ready if you... Like fantasy, that's what these are all about. I'm really looking forward to how everyone digs it because I'm a huge fantasy fan. So to read something that is intriguing but unique is not an easy thing, especially in the comic book realm. Often things feel similar to something else. I know this is a weird comparison, but like Saga is science fiction, but it feels so different. And this is kind of feels different fantasy to me. And I like that. So anyway, we also get into like old anime, like television anime shows and how much impact they had when we were kids. I know we, we do. We go all over the place. Um, yeah, I, I hope you dig this. Um, this is me with James Robinson. I was talking to a writer friend today about the idea of like commitment. It's like that commitment to make yourself almost a fool, but like, you know, that it's going to end up really well. Like, you know, like, Hey, listen, just pay attention. I'm going to land this, you know, I mean, you don't always land it, but it's just that commitment to kind of putting yourself right at risk level of that creative endeavor. And I think that's where the, um, kind of the great magic always happens. Yes. Uh, I, I do think that the big two often 
um, uh, encourage that immaturity though, so that they have control over the project, which drives me crazy. Yeah. It's why I'm happy to be doing something with Jeff that isn't, you know, for the big two. Right. It's man. It's so hard. Like when I, when I got the racket, uh, you know, 1991, I was so excited to get to like sort of play with other guys toys. You know, I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be so great to play and, you know, and make stories for the big two. And it was, you know, I guess, well, they were, <laughs> they were it. Um, and you know, and I didn't like, I didn't really see, cause I saw it all from the penciling point of view. I didn't see it from the writing point of view. And it yeah. didn't get the, like, I'm going to make something. I just thought I was going to be a part of making something. And it was really kind of strange because I did experience those moments when I did say, hey, I want to make something. And then you run into the, well, here's what we want to do. And you go, oh, yeah. okay. Yes, rarely does it uh, exceed your own imagination or, or, or aspirations, absolutely. Yeah. It's like it's like really inexpensive movies. There's the, yeah. the studio. But having written a movie, having written a really good screenplay once that was made into a not particularly great film, being the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm. I got got pulled and rewritten and pulled and rewritten and messed up this way and that. Um, I can say that comics and films can be equally as heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Writers. That's yeah, I, I, but I think all listen. You know, I, I have a so I, I do. I, I'm an art director. You know, since I left comic books, and that, you know, I've yeah, I've a very great luxury working with some phenomenal brands, like worldwide brands. And I mean, I guess I can say it doesn't matter. Like, so I had this big project with the North Face that was happening, and then like two weeks of just kind of weird communications happened, and then they just pulled it. Like it just stopped, and we were just dumbfounded by this this process and i think anything that you put your heart in when somebody else has control of what you know is the ultimate you know you know result it can be heartbreaking it doesn't matter i wrote a script for uh hot wheels years a few not a few years ago and one of the problems was that there there was a guy at mattel who's in charge of they're sort of like creative stuff that wasn't the toys. Yeah. And he had come up with the idea of doing Barbie's Nutcracker. And I think it, it had cost them. I, 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 I'm literally pulling a, a, a budget amount out of my, out of, out of my butt, but it was somewhere between 10,000 and a hundred thousand dollars to okay. do that. And they put it right by the registers of Toys R Us, so every and they it was priced to sell at like nine ninety nine or or fourteen ninety nine. So every little girl saw it with their mom and said, "I want Barbie Nutcracker," and they got it. And so as a result, they made like millions off mm. that. And so this guy thought he was a genius. <laughs> he thought he was Citizen Kane of toy to film adaptations. Right, and. I remember going to these meetings. We would go to Mattel. It'd be me. It would be the director was going to be McGee, who did Charlie's Angels sure. and stuff. There was a his producing partner at the time was a, a girl called woman called Stephanie Savage, very talented young lady, who has since gone on. 
I think I think she came up with Gossip Girl or one of those big, one of those like teen intriguey big big TV shows that went for, on for seasons and seasons. Mm. And she's done very well. You can I you can IMDb her and see all that she's done. But we would go to Mattel, and this guy was there with um, what's that book? The 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 journey, you know, the writer's journey, yeah, and sure. quoting from it in front of us, and <laughs> and uh, and the story was very much sort of a little bit like a western. The stranger comes into town and helps to clean up a bad situation, but it was this sort of alternate world where there were different kinds of of car culture everywhere. You know, the low riders, the the, the limousines, mm-hmm. the this monster trucks and um i remember he was deciding to um he was deciding to uh, uh, uh at one point like the 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 the, the ch- there was a child there was a i forget there was a basically a death that involved a child and he was like yes well of course the father would choose the son not the daughter and I remember thinking to myself, wow, you've just, you know, you've made Sophie's choice and there are no Gestapo around you. And, <laughs> and there's a woman in the in the room with you. So um, anyway, uh, that was a long story. But, you know, that's, t- you know, I think an entertaining one about the heartbreaking way that people that don't get it can mess up, mess up stories. And then. I did many drafts and I thought it, we thought it was moving forward. And then everybody did, well, not everybody, they decided they wanted to do a talking car movie instead, which they didn't do obviously because Pixar did, did it, you know, yeah. did it. anyway, yeah. long story. Well, you, one thing I learned, I learned a painful lesson a long time ago that if you do not engage the people who have the ability to say yes and no early enough in the project, yeah, it's a pretty much given that it's going to end up being a no, one that lands on their desk with with no for you know, they have no head heads up. They just go, "What is this?" And that's yeah. the, the death knell. It's brutal. It's brutal. How do you, like so? You know, I know like I have like I have to like I have to do a lot of stuff to kind of keep my battery charged. Yeah, you know, my creative battery charged because like you know, you've been doing this for 30 plus years. I mean, you look great for being so young and, um, you know, well, flattery will get you everywhere. I'm not sure I, uh, agree with you. I was looking at, you know, in these things, when you're talking Mm -hmm. after looking at you and the other time you're looking at me going, do I really look like that? Yeah, I know. I know. it's a real image it's not the mirror image so you're, you're getting a little bit of a shock exactly right we're not yeah because it's because it is different right it's different than what we see when we look in the mirror which i don't like doing that either um but anyway yes i've been at it a long time yeah and like and same for myself and i always have to kind of find ways to kind of keep myself creatively engaged and like a lot of things have to do with with you know hobby actives you know activities like what can my mind do that's going to like relax it to where I can open up and you, you know, you caught me strumming a guitar earlier, but like, that's one of them. And then there are myriad other things of distractions, which you kind of have to balance and being, you know, uh, distractions from the actual work and a, an ability to work better in the long run. Yes. Yeah. So what do you do? Uh, what do I do? Well, I work out. All right. Um, I, it's funny people that have followed me from, 
my days with Starman many, many years ago when I would mm -hmm. answer the letters pages and they were aware that I collected Viewmasters. And one day I, in a fit of pique, or I don't know quite why I did it. I sort of got, I got rid of most of them. Mm. And I kept the clay figure ones. This is a little more than I need to to, to, to say, but they, they, there are these beautiful clay figure um, Viewmasters that you can get that tell fairy tales and cartoons and all sorts. And I kept those and a couple of others, but I got rid of the rest. And then over the last X, however many years, I've become interested in 3D photography. Mm. So I, I do a little bit of that 3D photography. I have a, I have a 3D camera, but I also have a, a camera that takes Viewmaster sized images. Right. And, um, and I have a huge collection of Viewmasters, which I, and also, you know, I, I read copiously yeah. um both both uh a lot of net, net nowadays as i've gotten older i i've i appreciate the early stuff more so i've been reading a, i read a lot of um newspaper uh collections especially now they've they've really if you look at you know each month in the previews catalog there's always some fantastic night obscure 1940s uh newspaper strip that they've collected for the first time sure. so that I do that. What else do I do? Um, and and I do. Uh, there 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 are. I was talking to some people, Hollywood people, and they couldn't believe anybody did this. But um, I fix up the house, so I, I do. I have a I have a woodwork a wood woodwork workshop outside, and I you know with miter saws and different all the all the you know drills and blah blah blah, and I do do that. So that I do a lot of things things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and also music. So I do. Also, so I have a huge LP collection, and because I live in Vegas, when no bands come to Vegas to play, they either, you choose there right now. You've got the band. Uh, well, there's many that that were angry that that album was put on their their um their uh music their iPod. It's still listen. It's it's so strange. Like it's yeah, still on the phone. I do not think I I I stand I stand with Henry Rollins on this one that you two do not play rock and roll they play whatever they play something different sure not my cup of tea it's all right it's all right but 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 that but that that you're not even mid level but like most bands like I love the Arctic Monkeys probably mm -hmm. my favorite band they have never played Vegas you know so you have to go to San Francisco or somewhere else. Um, I'm going to uh, Santa Cruz, not Santa, I am going to Santa Cruz, but first I'm going to, with my wife, we're going to um, Phoenix to see a a, a, a young performer called Jalen Nagonda, oh. who's, who's, who's signed to Daptone. Great voice. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Michael Jackson. You know, oh, wow. Off, off the wall era Michael Jackson. Yeah. And then there's another band that plays sort of, well, they're not really a band, they're a trio. That, uh, called um, is it? I can never get get it right. C she C, say she she say she she. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are who are on coal mine? Well, they're on they're on um, they're on um, their offshoot. Which my my mind's gone blank. They have a the stuff that isn't soul. Karma Chief. They're on, they're on Karma Chief. Mm -hmm. Trio trio of girls that do this amazing harmonic like nineteen seventies style disco. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to Santa Cruz to see them in Mos Alley in November. 
So planning these trips, which, you know, cost money and everything else, but it's a kind of turn them into like a fun little weekend or a fun couple of days away. Yeah. From so that these are all the things I do when I'm not um, doing the comic book projects or the TV stuff. And I've also actually written, um, a, well, a, no, a novel, but since then I have, I love the characters so much that I've written like a series of novellas around the same characters. Oh, right on. So I've been doing that and, and working out the best way to get it to everybody. Mm -hmm. I might do a, a Kickstarter, but I have an idea to do it as like a hardcover book and, you know, a limited hardcover book right. first, see if anybody wants to buy it. You know, it, it might, there might be like a hundred, a thousand of them sitting in, a, in my storage locker. <laughs> it's a We'll it's see. like it's like the thing of like you know what we should make a t-shirt yeah i think a t-shirt would be a great idea and then you have boxes of t-shirts yeah. um yeah you know but the thing is is the t-shirt's a weird thing because people aren't a fan of the t-shirt they're a fan of whatever the t-shirt represents so fortunately people who like reading your stuff want to read books so that'll be a good, that's a, at least a, a carry i mean i'm a bit of a, bit of a I've I've forgotten. I feel sometimes that like I'm a bit of a forgotten soul. That's my own fault. Easily distracted and pulled this way and that by different creative things. And you know, in comics, I don't really have much of a presence anymore. Although, although I have a lot of projects coming up, so hopefully that will change. <laughs> it's, you you and, remember uh, me, damn it! Pay attention, yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, and and then um. You know, so so there's a little bit of 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 a, of a not struggle is too strong a word. There's a little bit of a strategy to what, how I'm trying to sort of get some of this stuff to the public where they're interested and they actually want to read it and, and enjoy it. Hopefully, enjoy it. Well, it's the, I mean, isn't it? I mean, James, it's totally amazing how that shift happened. You know, I mean, you know, you I guess what did you get in the business starting around eighty eight, eighty nine, around there? somewhere 8990 yeah 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 so i mean i got in 1990 so like we're, we got in around around the same right. time and it's this really strange thing like the responsibility is so much on our shoulders now i mean i don't do comics you know with any regularity of any sort but like the responsibility on the creator's shoulders now to get this out there it's it's a huge pivot what, what? Sorry, I don't really understand what you didn't have to do anything. You wrote a, you wrote a, you wrote a script and it, and it got produced, you know, in a comic book form and the publisher put it out there and they advertise it or however they got it, the word out and it was on the shelves. But now there's a lot of responsibility on the creators to go, hey, <laughs> I got this thing, you, you know. Oh, I well, 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 back, yeah, back then, I mean, Marvel and DC, I mean, there was Pacific and First, Kamiko, mm -hmm. you know, smaller companies, but by and large, it was um, Marvel and DC. So once you crack that, you kind of, you could just, you know, do it. And, 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 and also the, the industry was different then because there wasn't the internet. Mm -hmm. So there's so much attention given and also comics were still you know there was the cliche of the nerdy comic book you know reader and the locked away weirdo comic book creators you yeah. know it, 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 
it in England it was a little bit when I f- was first in comics it was it was uh, easier because there was this sense that you could read Love and Rockets and Alan Moore and all the sort of cool comics Frank Miller's Daredevil and you could date girls and go to rock you know go to gigs and everything sure whereas in America back in those days it was very much more of a it, it you kind of it was a choice you made was 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 t- taking that path of reading comics and maybe doing Dungeons and Dragons. It was kind of, you know, and, and all that stuff is fun and great to do, but, but to a lot of people, it was considered a bit nerdy. Yeah. And, um, so as a result, the, 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 the focus was, was, was people that really loved, loved the books. And like w- with criticism, I used to love, uh, uh, get, uh answering the star, the star man letters page. Yeah. Because, Nowadays, and I, you know, I've gone through it, man, with with different books and criticism and stuff like that. But anybody can go on Twitter for five in their coffee shop and go, I don't, I think James Robinson's shit or mm-hmm. whatever, and then they move on to the next thing that they spend two minutes thinking about. But back in the day, to write a letter, to to put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, take it to the mail, all that stuff, it took effort. It, you, so the people that would criticize your work. <coughs> And you know, some of it was very thoughtful and 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 well reasoned, and some of it was crazy. Sure, but it, at least there was an effort and a, and heart that went into that in a way that there isn't now. You know, I mean, uh, w- with with me with comp with some of my comics, that I've been criticised by by people on Twitter and and um, well, not really Facebook. I guess it was just Twitter. I was what why I got off Twitter many years ago, and I've never regretted it. Mm. Um, but it was clear they hadn't actually read the book. They were commenting on someone else's comment. Mm. So, game of telephone. So by the time that they it, it, they they decided they were going to tell me what they thought, it was nonsense because it, it didn't really it wasn't really uh, true to to the source material. Right. So that sort of it, it's it, it's a different world that it, comics are in now. And in terms of selling the books, yes, there's Marvel and DC. But now there is image, but mm-hmm. boy, I've had some problems with with image. Not not with image themselves. I, uh, Eric Stevenson and image are great, but just you know, you have to you have to find an artist. You have to find an artist that either loves and is committed enough to do the book for basically for free, in the hope that it will sell enough that they'll get will get royalties, and then that's where the money comes, or you get. You, if, if you have a certain caliber of, of creator, you can get uh, an advanced image. Mm-hmm. But they aren't, you know, they don't own anything. They 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 don't take, they don't want to own the movie rights. They don't do any of that stuff like Boom does or, or Oni does. So as a result, they um, they can't really give that much of an advance. Yeah, you know somewhat generous but not really so the writer never makes any mo- any money until later the artist will make some but you got to you know you forget that that advances for the entire entity of the book so you got to pay you know the people that are working on it yeah. writer artist inker colorist letterer editor that's a lot of that the the the, the cake gets divided up pretty quick yeah yeah so 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 getting that Get get to a point where you're like Ed Brubaker or or um or uh, Rick Rick Remender or, or or Matt Fraction where your your books kind of sell themselves. Um, Brian K. Vaughan mm-hmm. when they sell themselves and you can just 
keep it going and everything else. I mean, that is a lot of, that's really hard. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to push the book. There's a lot of work to it. And, and you see, I mean, the amount of times you see these image books that have such potential and they just kind of like fade away. And it's because it's just hard to do it when you're either you, you have no money or you've got to do a second job you know, either a, a, a second creative gig somewhere, or you've got to work at some shitty job, you know, stocking in the in the in the back back of Best Buy or something, you know, sure. in order to pay the bills. So it is a different world now. Long again, long story short. Well, yeah, it's but it's I mean the it's just it's just your story, and that's the I mean like you, you're talking from your your point of you know your your reference in that, and it's just and it's just how it is. Um, and I think, you know, we have to become a bit more of our own carnival barkers in, in the sense to get this, get the word out in some fashion, you know, hence our conversation or, um, you know, if you have a Twitter following or whatever your social media platform is, it's, a, it's tough because even a great thing like a Kickstarter, you still got to let people know that there's a Kickstarter. Yeah. Like it doesn't, yeah. like people aren't just going like, oh, good morning day. Let me go check Kickstarter to see if there's something I like. Well, well, again, there, there's, there are people that have it down and they know what they're doing. There's a, 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 a guy who's a friend of mine called John Flesky, uh, Flesk Books, and he does these beautiful art books. Mm -hmm, they're wonderful. And I met, I met him. It's actually a fun, kind of a funny story, although we do kind of um, dis, 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 beg to, uh, agree to disagree on how we first met. But my memory of it is that, he had he had done his first book, which was um, oh my gosh, uh, 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 the artist that does all that beautiful line work. Of course, I've forgotten, but doesn't matter. Um, it, it was his first book, and uh, I had bought it at Bud Plant paperback. Mm -hmm. And I and I met this guy just sort of standing there watching people looking at that book, and he, and eventually we were talking and 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 began to talk, and I said, well, it's beautiful. I just wish that it was in hardcover. And he said, I've done it in hardcover too. It's just not here. So I remember going over to his, his, his table and getting the hardcover version. God, I wish I could remember the artist. And it's in my library in the other room. This is just my working library. Um, but anyway, he, he was doing these books. And, I, and at first, I think it was a little bit of a struggle, as it always is starting out. This was before Kickstarter and uh, before before the internet was a little bit easier to to, to negotiate if you if, if, if you chose to do so. Right. Um, but eventually, you know, he, he, he Frank Cho, all these books, Frank Cho, Arthur Adams, uh, uh, Bruce Tim. I'm looking over here at a few. Obviously, Mark Schultz and the collections, those carbon collections mm -hmm. that shoots does all his all his um every san diego and now he basically because he has a uh automatic email that he sends to every all his all the people that want want to receive it yeah they you know the arthur adams one he just automatically put it out this is what we're doing and he, he's kind of got it down in terms of the tiers and how you list it and everything else and i think it was half i think he got half a million um a quarter of a million dollars yeah which is fantastic, yeah. but it's taken time for him to learn to do that. So, yeah. you, so you can do it. You just got to master it. I, do, I have not. We, me, me and Jeff, Jeff Johnson with, with this Kickstarter, we're going to do are very much in, in, 
in a uh, learning pad, a learning yeah. It's it, and it's. I mean, I've done one Kickstarter. I wor- I've worked with the company that does them for their. their it's their business model. So they make um, gaming terrain for D and D and other other sort of miniature based yeah. games, and they do great. And they make a couple million dollars. You know, anywhere from between a million to six million dollars. That's what I've seen over the years with their. Oh, nice. But they have. I mean, it's a it's a machine. Like they are full on videos and all sorts of craziness. But I, you know. It all comes down. It's so weird. Like we live in this modern, you know, computer age with, you know, our pockets and our wrists as you just took your watch off, you know, with, with computers. Oh, yeah. And it's like, but man, it all comes down to the mailing list. It always comes down to the ability to get into somebody's inbox and to say, Hey, here's the thing. And people go, Oh, I'm ex- I'm excited. Cause like, we don't have, you know, comics journal and all the comic book publications wizard that did that hard work for everyone of getting. Yeah. Yeah. So someone else who's got it down uh, in the comic world. I mean, he's, he's one of the luckiest men I think in comics is Ed Brubaker. Oh yeah. He's obviously incredibly talented. I've got so much of his work. If you look there, you can see, I've got a little Ed Brubaker section. I can, I can, I, I can literally just reach up and grab Brubaker books. They're like, there we go. Yeah, they're everywhere. But, but so, so the luck comes that he began working with Sean um, Phillips. Sean Phillips, and they have such a fantastic relationship. They've been, they are like joined at the hip. Yeah. They've been like that for 15, 20 years. So he doesn't have to worry about an artist, and he has, he has a audience that likes his work so that that's good so things automatically kind of sell themselves but even with him he does his mailing email which i get when he does them he did he sent one like this week i think a few days ago but even those they have to be informative they have to be they have to it can't just be this is what i'm doing there has to be oh i saw this great noir movie or i i'm reading other comic by someone else you know he has to make make it interesting enough that you want to read it so even even he has to go through some of the with 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 all that he's already accomplished and all the pre-sale that he automatically gets just from being who he is and the book seat that he does with sean he still has to work at it it's i i coin i'm coining the term right now you're welcome to use it all you want it's transferable engagement transferable engagement yeah. okay i will i will try and i will endeavor to remember that yeah because i mean it's a good thing we're recording this um it, yeah. you know, the, because the idea of taking something and saying here's what i am up to and this is what is making me excited and people go like well if the guy who makes things that i'm excited about likes this that's pretty exciting and oh by the way here's the new thing that's coming out and people they're already excited so I actually have just started, although I, I'm a, I've fallen already fallen a little bit off the off the off the, but but on my on my um, Instagram, which is the really the only thing I'm on, uh-huh. I've begun doing reviews, like really short reviews mm-hmm. of things that I that I like, and it's records, books, films, um, and it isn't. It's just really a sort of the the to get into the habit and the discipline of doing it, so that if I start a, 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 a an email like like Ed or, mm-hmm. or, or or John Flesky, I can um I can you know I'll I'll have that sort of muscle memory of how to do it. But the the and, and I've been very careful only to review things I liked. Right. There's no, 
there's no need to be negative. This, you, you believe me, you can you can find negative reviews on everything. It's, it, uh-huh. There's there's nothing in it. There's I mean there's no for me there's nothing in the whole negative review aspect. I just don't for me I'm like whatever. If I don't like something, it's okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know dime in that. Well, the the thing you got to remember though is one of the reasons that it exists is some people are just mean. They just wanna they just don't want to see the good in anything. A but but also a lot of the articles and think pieces and all this stuff people it isn't that there's you know it isn't like the old days of the newspapers when an editor was like hey casey get me you know 2000 words on this boxing match or the boxer's life you know or whatever the assignment is mm-hmm. it's some it's some guy sitting in his room or some woman sitting in their room i need to make 100 bucks how do i get you know this website or that website to 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 take my article. So they come up with they pitching ideas. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it was interesting because you literally, there's almost an arc. I saw it with Oppenheimer mm. where articles about Oppenheimer, brilliant, brilliant, you know, Kieran Murphy, brilliant, brilliant. And then there are the articles. Here are the things, the history, here's the things that they get wrong about Oppenheimer. Right. And because, because no one's interested in more. We love Oppenheimer. We've already read that 20 times, 30 right. times. So now we want to know what they what they did what Christopher Nolan did wrong, and then finally you're going to get the Oppenheimer shit. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. This is why, or worse still, this is it's gone away a little bit. I'm offended. I saw Oppenheimer and I was offended. Right. So so you get so so that's and that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to see those. I remember seeing Wonder Woman. I was like, man, how can they? The first one, how can they? How can anybody be upset with this movie? I I I didn't like the CGI villain at the end, but overall I thought it was excellent. Yeah. But 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 no, and it was great and great and great. And then one day, Wonder Woman offended me, or Wonder Woman's terrible because it's just you know, oh, perfect example. Um, uh, Martin Short. There was that. There was an article in one of the things where someone's like, Martin Short's crap. Why do we put up with Martin Short? <laughs> And that was the article. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we all love Martin Short. There yeah. is nothing better than watching like half an hour of edited Martin Short on YouTube on Letterman or... He's the best. You know, roasting someone or Jiminy, Jiminy Glick. We love Martin Short. And then there's Murders in the Building, obviously. And so, but if, but if, if I saw an article saying... Martin Short, he's wonderful. I'd be like, yeah, I know that. I don't need to read that article. But someone saying he's crap, everybody read. The, everybody was upset by that. <laughs> everybody, you know, and and someone pointed out, which was actually kind of nice in a slightly morbid way, that most people he got this wave of adoration from all the professionals. We're talking about how much he meant to them and what a great guy he was in real life and professionally and creatively and every way. And they said that most people have to wait till they died for people. They never get to read those that stuff. Right. It always happens after they've died. So Mindshot actually got to read that. Right. But the point being is that article resonated because someone chose to take this negative route. Mm-hmm. So I'm a rambling a little bit, aren't I? No, but, no, no, no. I mean, I think – so, I mean, okay – one thing I, I did, I, I did, it took a, away a while ago was I stopped clicking on anything that had a number in the title. So if it's X amount of reasons, thoughts, thoughts, whatever's, you know, oh, why, I, I, I don't want to know. Like, I don't need to read someone else's list of something just for, for attention. Um, right. 
and I think, you know, yeah, the, it's the neg it's the negative, the empirical negative can't that you know shifts the, the, the point of view or not the point of view but maybe the the focus of attention and you know because you know i mean maybe you know, we, we nightly news for example you know i mean we don't we want this thing it's just a lot of negative stuff and at the end they're like oh and here's a little dollop of happiness that happened today and there's like a panda you know and you're like oh okay that's 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 what i get and, you know, and, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not going to get into it, but I feel like there's, there's a lot of that reflection could be, you know, argued into how things are, you know, what's passes for writing, you know, for stories, we get a lot of negativity, you know, even in the comic genre, we get a lot of negative stuff like these, just these really just sort of unadulterated, you know, meanness. And I'm like, why do we have to be so mean about something? Like, why can't we tell a story with less meanness or at least some hope yeah well that's the trick isn't it to add you add hope yeah and um i have always tried to do that but i noticed some some writers just revel in the the awfulness of yeah. of, of the world which we know is you know pr partly true i mean the way things are going now with russia testing nu more nuclear weapons and whatnot i mean we could all be gone in in six weeks yeah we grew we already grew up in that one like it's like yeah, yeah, it, it feels it feels it's come back pretty big so so uh you know we know it's we know things are crap so a little bit of hope doesn't it doesn't hurt you know it, it, it makes getting up in the morning just that little bit easier yeah i mean and i mean i i guess i'm blessed that i'm a morning person in that respect i wake up with with sort of a natural sort of you know bucket of it in my in my system but you know, I, and I don't listen, I, I don't pay attention to this stuff. I don't, I don't have the news going. I don't, you know, Twitter is not a thing. Like all that stuff just takes me away from what I need to do, which is focus on the things that I can do to actually improve something in the world through the work yeah. I do. And, you know, that's like, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, you write a story and then everyone goes, well, what, the, what does it mean? You know, you write like you get that you, that question kind of floats up, and you go like, "It's funny because when you write it, you, I, I mean, I often don't have a theme when I'm writing. The theme is something that comes out of the writing. I have to look at it and go, oh, oh, this is what my subconscious and all these these sort of threads tie together to create something.' And that's that's when you can I find when I can tease a theme out. I I respect everyone who can walk into a project with a theme in their mind and, and hold it through, you know, but to me on a novel length, it becomes a really a hard battle. Uh, right. Do you have themes when you go into it or do you find, or do you search them afterwards? Uh, I think sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think with, with, with creativity, you can, you can say there's a formula to it. No. You know, every sometimes the idea is the ending. Sometimes it's the beginning. Sometimes it's the emotion. I mm -hmm. uh, have to you have to find the story. Sometimes it's the story, and you got to find the emotion. I mean, it 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 all it it it, uh, it I, I've never had a hard fast thing. I do believe there was one time I was going to do a project. I was actually very excited about it too. I was going to co-write it with a a sort of legendary writer. Um, but then he said to me. Let's just make it clear: character doesn't matter. It's all it's all plot. Mm. And I remember thinking, and I and from that point on, I looked at his work, and I was like, well, he's always gone into it that way. Yeah. And as a result, 
there's nothing you, you don't you know in films in 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 comics you don't re, you you do remember plots but you remember those moments more yeah and um you know like Alamo's Watchmen which is you know a masterpiece sure um and there's a great and there's a story that goes through it you know obviously to, through to the to to the end but there are moments of emotion in that that you remember more than the than the than the you know moments with Rorschach, moments with um night owl and, and silk specter where the, the comedian where you remember you remember it, it, it there's so many bits in there which aren't crucial to the a to soup to nuts of the plot yep the bits that you, you take with you and you remember same with you know frank miller you know i was thinking the other day about yeah i mean he's a different writer now than he used to be let's face it um and i'm not saying that in a bad way he's just changed the way he writes but i remember thinking about when did i first like fall in love with frank miller and it was when i was a kid well a young teenager mm-hmm. a daredevil where he has to find the kidnapped kid yeah and he's He's sitting on the roof and he's hearing Listen stuff and he's yep. getting rid of it and closing it. I mean, that's a beautiful moment. And it's part of the plot. Yeah, the dripping water, like he was he was picking everything out oh, to hear that sound. Coughing. That's what it is. He, he knows that one of the guys that kidnapped the kid has a cough. Yep. And he's trying to hear that cough in the city. Yeah. And it's like I say, it is part of the plot because the kid kid was kidnapped, but it's just this it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And and um Sometimes that's the the thing that you first think of. Mm-hmm. That's you know, yeah. So uh, I mean, anyway, a, a runaway train is plot. So, but if you can if you can create the causality of that runaway train through characters, you're yeah. you're going to remember. Like it, it, you go, oh my god, like I, oh Jesus, you know, like because then you feel the weight of the guilt maybe in the person who did it by mistake or whatever the thing is. A great example of that, you put Runaway Train in my head, which is a good, actually a kind of a little forgotten classic. It's, it's probably John Voight at his best. Mm. And, and Eric Roberts, who's kind of forgotten. People forget what a good actor he was back when he was younger. But uh, Train to Busan, have you seen that movie, the yeah. zombie movie? Yep. Fan, that I mean, the plot is they're zombies and they're on a train and they're going to Busan. It's so good. But there's so much emotion and there's so many characters. That's what you care about. Yep. That's a perfect example of what I mean with this. It's those moments that you remember. Those, those, you know, and at the end, the, I mean, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but one of the characters, one of the main characters sort of heroic ending is so beautifully done, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So, I mean, I, I could, I could feel your heart, heart just, you know, break hearing that the phrase that it's all about plot and it's like okay like yeah i didn't end up do, doing the project with i couldn't do it right. and i kind of you know no I, I man i get it like i mean it, it's you know because i mean and the reason i know that you i would have been able to answer that question for you by what you said earlier and when you were talking about your novel and how you fell in love with your characters and wrote novellas about you know with them like that is the thing like you know, I enjoy, I, I like writing comic book scripts. I really do. I love the, I love the medium. It's my first love in life. But after writing a novel, 
it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, well, this is where I get to actually be with characters and really kind of, because like all those moments in cinema or television or in comics that those little, those little moments that add up to make you love these characters, you get to do that as much as you want. It's, you know. Well, the one thing I, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying is, so, so I, I should say that I'm having a nice little bit of success at the moment with, with, with some projects. I'm, I have a couple, I will get into, the, you know, talking about our projects later. There's a couple, couple of projects that will be announced soon-ish. I'm doing them at Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm loving, loving working with them. And I would have done more at Image, and I still would like to do more, but I have had such bad luck with artists flaking and ghosting and just, <laughs> just, and it, it's so, it it breaks your heart because you put so much into it and then it kind of, it dies on the vine because your artist is unprofessional or what have you. Um, <clears throat> so um, when you write, when I'm with these books, the only person I can blame for them not being as good as I can make them is me. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there is a sort of independence and a sense of, of triumph and just enjoyment of, and also like the, you, the, just enjoying the written word is, yeah. is as you write prose, I feel that you kind of fall, continue to fall in love with the written word. And also I, I think if it, you can almost, when, as you read, the more you write, when you read other people's writing, you can see people who are writing because they, it's their only means of income or it's a gig or something like that, as opposed to someone who clearly really loves what, what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, uh, yeah, I know. I, I get it. I mean, cause it's like someone was asking me about writing comics. I'm like, I mean, like I have like, I have a story that I years ago that, um, John Paul Leon and I were going to do together. And I just, I was sort of not in the mind of doing comics at the time. So, you know, it was like, well, maybe one day we'll do it together. And I have it. And it's a, it's a originally a Marvel, a Marvel idea. And I stripped it away where it's a neutral idea. I could do it with a different character now. And I'm like, I know I could probably sell this to Marvel. I could probably get an artist of, you know, close to John Paul's caliber to sign on because, the sentimentality of the story that it, that it carries and the quality of the story. But I'm like, do I, I just go like, do I want to put that in there for that, for them, you know, like for Marvel and that sense. And I'm not bashing them. Like I worked for them for 10 years and it was my, you know, it was my childhood dream come to life. But you know, I think I just like, for me, I'm like, I'm really much more into being able to make the thing that I want to make, which I didn't give myself that permission in the nineties. So I feel like it's about time, you know, to, to take that permission yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't, I mean, I'll ask you when I see him next, but I've always wondered whether Robert Kirkman, um, Firepower, mm-hmm. with family, doesn't that feel like it was a pitch for Iron Fist that got yeah that got rejected and he turned it into his own thing? Like oh. Danny Rand is now in the suburbs and maybe it's Misty Knight is the wife and mm-hmm. feels like you know, and and as a result, firepower is just so much better. It's that than than a yet another Iron Fist story. Right, right, and you know, not bashing the man with the Iron Fist. You know, I mean, there, there's some great tales have been told, but you know, I I don't know, man. Like this is this is a. I mean, 
and I mean, you've had them yourself. You've had the ones where you did the thing for yourself and those stories resonate. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they do. I was lucky with star Starman that I had Archie Goodwin and then Peter Tomasi editing it. And it was a different DC, a different, different time, a different world, but I was able to put a lot of, of, of real emotion and, and personality mm -hmm. into that book in a way that I don't think a lot of people would, would, would get the chance. Now I find, and I am sincerely not knocking people that enjoy Marvel and DC, but right. at least for me, and I think for when you talk to a lot of people who are our age or a bit younger, certainly a bit older, <laughs> there's only so many Batman stories that you want to read. Like you, you know, like like there's more Joker at Joker's back. This mm. who I don't care. I mean, the, and, and, and I'm not saying those stories aren't, aren't wonderful stories written by talented writers and drawn by, by amazing artists, but after a while, you've just read it, read, you know, I want to read fresh, original, emotional stuff from creators giving me their true yep. things and, 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 and original creations. So, and, and, you know, Again, I stress, I'm, I'm not knocking people that every month go out, every week go out and enjoy their, their Marvel or DC. Uh, listen, I was one of those people for many, you yeah. know, for a long chunk of my early life. Yes. But you, you just, one day it just wears you out and you just, and, and then the more you know about the, the, in, in the internal workings of the industry, that can be a little bit disillusioning and, and heartbreaking too. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help. Yeah. I'm but, you know, I do. I mean, I do appreciate things like that. DC tries to do at least of recent do some auteur based kind of works, you know, okay, we're going to get, you know, one or two people coming together and telling a story that's not part of the canon, they can just kind of come up with their own thing. So, you know, I'm thinking of like, Cliff Chang doing his bat, his Catwoman thing, you know, it's like, okay, like, you, here's your story, do your thing. And that at least that feels like you're letting someone play with the toys, but you're not like telling them that it has to be in this kind of thing, which kind of feels a little bit more in line, you know, like, like with the golden age, like you got, you had the chance to kind of do something that was not specifically in line with something. You kind of created something on outside of that. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, again, it was a different time then yeah. you, you had the, the thing I noticed now is um, it feels like both Marvel and DC are constantly doing these events. Yeah. Like the events become events, become mm -hmm. events. So, so, it, so everybody that's writing those books has to kind of work to the beat of of a of a drummer that's not theirs. It's a click track. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. you know, and uh, and. Once in a while, like I, I haven't read it, but I've heard you know great things about. There's a Nightwing, Tom Taylor's Nightwing book. Mm, okay, I've heard that there are those little, you know, and and quite frankly, I tried to do that with um, Scarlet Witch back when I wrote that. I wrote 15 issues of Scarlet Witch back in uh, God knows when, a while back, back back when back when uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy that owns Marvel? That's a big big trumper. Big oh. Mag Oh, wait, Perlman? Uh, yeah, Ike Perlman. Yeah, yeah. So everybody knows this story, I'm sure. But Ike Perlman was was pissed off at Fox for not letting them use the X-Men or 
giving them back the X-Men because at the time they, you know, they had uh, Fox had bought the X-Men or, or, or licensed them from Marvel when Marvel was bankrupt. Bankrupt, yeah. yeah. So he was so pissed that they wouldn't just roll over and give him what he wanted that he said, okay, we're going to mute Pearl Mutter. Sorry, Pearl Mutter. Pearl, yeah, Pearl Mutter. Sorry, Pearl it, Mutter. it finally hit me. Yeah. And, and, and so Marvel had this sort of turd dumped on their desk, which was we have to make the Inhumans into like the new, our new mutants. Right. And, and, and it, you know, everybody was doing their best. Charles Sewell was kind of given the job and he's a, he's a good writer and a good guy, but it, you, you know, you, 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 you can't, you can't take butter and turn it into marmalade. Like they were two different things, you know, and, and, and um, I don't know why I'm talking about this one. Why did I get into this? I guess, oh, the fact that you have to sort of uh, follow someone's path without, and, and you lose track of, of your own voice. Yeah. You know, I mean, to use Charles Sewell as an example, uh, I think he did the best he could with the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there were some, some good stories, but he, I think he was handicapped. But then his She-Hulk, which I think I, I even have, which was him, you know, he is a lawyer. He was a lawyer. So he, and Javier Polito, great art, great uh, artist. Oh, I yeah. with him. Wacky guy, but but um, a, a great artist. And um, that is that was him following his, his story, She-Hulk. Yeah. But they don't always get the chance nowadays. Yeah. I, and I think back, back when I was doing Starman and back when there were some of these other books being done, you were allowed to, the books were allowed to grow. They were allowed, they, they didn't have to fall into this event thing that seems mm-hmm. to go on for months now. I remember with, with Starman, there was two of them. There was one where the sun goes out and there was another one. I don't remember the other one. There wasn't, there was two of them where I, where I had to tie it in with, with the, with the event, but I did it for one issue and I was allowed to do it in a, in an oblique way that didn't compromise the feel of, of Starman. Right. But I, I noticed these books now, man, they, 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 they the, the, the crossover aspect is months and months and months. So that's like, you know, four or five months of your year where you're, where you're not writing your story, you're writing this other story that, that feeds the the bigger beast, and and that's a part of today's comics. Yeah. We, I, and I, it's it's funny, like you know, I have this very sort of I have to always take a half step back and look and go, okay, well, that's not my thing, you know, it's not what I it's not what I know, love or or want. And then you know, there's but there's you know there are thousands and thousands of people out there who that's what they want because that's what they they've been yeah. doing, and. You know, and I, I go, but I'm like, boy, it just, to me, like there's such a compression of, of opportunity or lost opportunity for creators, especially in the writing aspect to come up with the thing. Like, because if you're getting your rhythm, writing the series and like, Hey, here's my initial pitch and you're going to do your original arc. And then after that arc, you know, like you're, now you're improvising and now you're coming up with new stuff and the new thing could be way better than the second thing or the first yeah. thing and yes. but if you're like coming up like hey this is a cool idea and all of a sudden this big hand comes down and says okay now you need to do this well it really kind of breaks a lot of rhythm of what you could yeah. put together like i mean if chris you know claremont had someone stopping him you know for four or five months a year for his run i don't know what he would have produced 
in that respect. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. And you know, but but I mean, books sold more then, so mm-hmm. so there wasn't this whole we need to generate sales. We need to come up with this with the next sort of story gimmick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they were different times, huh? I'm sorry, Chris Claremont's runs and just how they played out slowly over time. You know, people forget that even uh, Wolverine, when he first appeared, obviously he was created by Lem Wein, but, but I mean, Claremont t- did so much. But the book was bi-monthly for about, what, for about six, seven issues. So that's mm-hmm. about more than a year. And it took, I don't know about, a long time until you even knew the name Logan, until you even know, knew he had a name. Yeah. Things played out over time, which was, which I don't know that you can do now. People get, people are impatient and then they get online and they talk about it and get all, you know. I mean, I, I, I remember knowing what his first name was, you know, in the offices. And it, but it was like, Nobody talked about it. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm not going to tell anybody because that's sort of the the model. And, you know, now I don't think there's any way to have security. That's why they don't let anyone in the offices anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first real breach. Um, and it it happened. Actually, this was before the, was it before the internet? Was it just starting? Um, but what was that one? Armageddon. Do you remember Armageddon? Mm-hmm. Sure. And you probably know this, most people do now, but uh, Archie Goodwin wrote the, the 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 first, the introduction, the first story that, that then became the crossover. And that it was that in the future, that one of the heroes of today would become this villain who would come back and mess up things. And it was meant to be Captain Atom. Mm. And then... Someone, someone leaked that. Someone in the mailroom or wherever decided they were going to tell everybody. So that became common knowledge. So at the last minute, they turned it into Hawk from Hawk and Dove, who was Armageddon. Gotcha. And that, and that um, you know, I guess it worked, but it it didn't really because it because it, from the start it was when it's meant to be one person, you have to shift gears because of something out of your control. It it just messed it up. But that was the first time I remember. Um, one of these confidential bits of info got out before it should have. But I mean, yeah, now you've got to be very careful. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I guess the whole thing is that the, you know, the twist and the secret is all the, is all the cash value of a lot of stuff these days. So you have to, you know, lock and key. Um, all right. So I'm going to like, let me just try to get a little bit of the, 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 how long you've been in the States. I came to the States uh, New Year's Eve, 1988. Okay. So 1989 is when I came to the States. And was it with the intention of being in this business or something else? Um, well, I had written a, a graphic novel called London's Dark mm-hmm. for Titan Books. It's the first thing I did. And then I... Then what happened? Oh, and then when it was still in in black and white, full, uh, not oh, it's black and white. When it was still in uh, photocopy, when I was trying to get reviews for the back covers and stuff, I was very fortunate. There was a, a, a UK comic convention, and that year, I uh, Matt Wagner was there, and so was um, Archie Goodwin. And I think I, for somehow or other, I had gotten these books 
I got in the somehow Matt got it even earlier, and he told me at the time that he was going to take a break from doing Grendel. Mm-hmm. It was going to end with issue forty, this, and he was still at Kamiko. Yeah. The book was still being published by Kamiko. So, did I want to do the the Grendel Tales story that I ended up doing? Uh, did I want to do it while he was taking a break, and then he was going to come back with War Child? Okay. And of course, I said that's great. Sure. And, and and we wrote. I wrote two. There's there's two and a half. It's somewhere in a storage locker somewhere in in the world. I think still it hasn't been destroyed. Philip Bond did the first two and two and a half issues of of my Grandel Tales. No Kamiko. way, really. And then that then Kamiko went bankrupt, and because it was, you know, it just was the type the way it was back then. If you sign the wrong deal, you kind of got screwed, or you, you know, we're, we're first owned pieces of first comics own pieces of this this book or that book, and creators had to you know go to become um, sue them to get it back. That sort of thing was going on with Kamiko and 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 Grendel, and Dark Horse came in and sorted it out, and it became a Dark Horse book. But that was about two years. There's a point to where I'm going with this. That was about two years, um, and. Uh, uh, and because he was kind of relaunching uh, Grendel, Matt Wagner actually relaunched it with War Child instead of my book, and then I, I, I came after that. Mm-hmm. But so, so I had so so back backtracking. I had the Kamiko. I had that work to, to do the, the Grendel book, but at the same time, a friend of mine, Mike Lake, who owns uh, Titan, who at the time owned, owned Titan Distributors and um, and uh, Forbidden Planet in in New York was opening a store in Sherman Oaks in Los Angeles. And he asked me if I wanted to come out and run it. So I thought, well, I have time. I mean, even with, even doing Grendel for, um, for Kamiko, I mean, the, the deadline was a pretty long deadline. So I thought, why not? So I came out for what I thought would be a few months and ended up never going back. Wow. And then, um, you know, it, yeah, so it was it was it, it helped me to come out here. The other the other problem I had back in England was that at the time it, in Dark Horse, uh, sorry, at DC, there were these fiefdoms. So you had you know group editor fiefdom. So you had Mike Mike Carlin at, at doing Superman, Danny O'Neill doing Batman, and then you had Karen Berger who was doing like every writer and artist in England, that was her, her area. Yeah. Um, and she didn't, she, she had, she had all the writers she needed. Uh, she sort of poached a lot from, from, uh, 2000 AD mm-hmm. warrior, warrior magazine. Len Wein had already hired Alan Moore. Um, so she had no interest in, in me at all. And, her she made that clear she was so rude to me i'll oh. tell you that now she was awful to me i was this eager young man wanting to work and she was just she would try and shut me down and i never gave up so the lucky thing was i went came to america and i was no longer an english writer living in england so i could go to other dc editors and at around the same time archie goodwin who had already read london's dark and had given me a lovely back cover quote um he 
he told me that it, this is not confidential. He told me this story. So he was he was doing work at Epic, but he didn't really feel he the work he was doing for Epic was really being appreciated by the people of Marvel. I think they th yeah. they thought it was a boutiquey thing. And then he, and then they 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 did Havoc and Wolverine, which was this sort of it was painted, huge. beautiful painted book. It was uh, Muth, J, J, John J. Muth and Kent Williams, mm -hmm. and he was at this uh, editorial meeting, and the book had sold three quarters of a million copies or something ridiculous. And someone, one of the head people said, yeah, it's great, but could you imagine how good it would have been if we'd gotten like Marvel artists to do it? And he knew that was it. He, they just didn't get him and they didn't really get the kind of work he aspired to be involved in. So he quit and went to DC. And that's how I got the golden age and led the, um, uh, Tim Sale, you know, doing blades and all of that stuff. Yeah. So, 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 so anyway, yeah, I came to England, I came to America, stayed and, and began my career. Took, took a little while. I was the king of like doing these projects that would, I would get, I would write them, I would get paid for them and then something would happen to the company and they wouldn't get published. <laughs> so I, I wrote two 96 page graphic novels for, there was a British a British, a British comic. It was a spin-off from 2000. It was a Fleetway comic called Revolver, and it was meant to be sort of serialized graphic novels. But they would be, they would appear as as graphic in serialized form, and then they'd be graphic novels. And the most noteworthy thing to come out of it was uh, Grant Morrison and Ryan Hughes did a, a book called uh, Dare, which was a sort of modern version of Dan Dare or a modern, a, a neo-modern retro Dan Dare. Um, so I did two of those. One with Tony Salmons, he did uh, eight pages and got and flaked. And one with Steve Yole, who uh, yeah, you're laughing about Tony Salmons flaking, aren't you? He was yeah. he's one of the great flakers. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Yole, who isn't, he's a good, really good guy, great artist. But the book anyway, they got cancelled. It was the and um, neither of those got published. I then did uh, remember first comics did those classics beautiful classics illustrated so they did uh you know bill sinkovich did moby dick yeah, yeah. I, I bought that yeah so i did a goat's faust no oh, okay yeah was, imagine adapting that in a comic book man that was hard work ah. but it, it was a good challenge and it was going to be done by the panda brothers ah, okay good and and, uh, and they were like we we want you to 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 to, to Bend the rules and make it uh, new and and uh, you know for in, like for instance if we did if we did uh, the Tin Man in what in Wizard of Oz I remember this being an example the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz what if he what if the Tin Man was a giant walking Coke machine Coke mm -hmm. bottle yeah and I was so they wanted that kind of thing so so the Panda Brothers did, did some initial work. And, it, and and there was like I don't remember it was like some some logo company logo they threw in, mm -hmm. and it was like they had drawn a, a gigantic shit and and sent it in. They people they were, we can't do this we can't do this. And then in the time it took them to find someone else to draw it, I think Bernie Moreau was going to do it. If you remember, yeah, remember sure. Bernie um, uh, first went out of business, yeah. so that I got paid for that. And and then there was one more. I did that and didn't get paid. And there's a whole uh, Hellraiser story I did that never got published, painted, beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
And then eventually, as all this crap was going on, Archie got to DC and I started with the Golden Age and Dark Knight and then eventually got Starman and carried on from there. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, listen, I think anybody who's, you know, in the business for, you know, as a professional for more than two years is going to start accruing those stories of all the projects that just and they could be done. Like I have, I have a whole issue of pencils of Luke Cage that I did never, never, never made it to print. And after like a few years, I got a box and they're like, Hey, here you go. They just sat, it just sat in the files. And then they just, they just said, okay, well, we're never going to print these. So here you go. Oh, that reminds me actually, when I was in, um, in England, I came to America. I visited America. I, I made friends with an artist called Mark Badger, and I sure. came out to visit New York. And I went into the offices, so I, I got around Karenberger this way. But I, I could, but once I went back to England, I couldn't do it. It was so <laughs> these five films, which sound so ridiculous now, they really were a pain in the butt back in the day. And he he was editing uh, Secret Origins, so he he gave me to do the Secret Origin of Dinosaur Island. And so that was the first DC work I did. I wrote. Mm-hmm. And there are I have pencils. I can find them probably. I should put them on a on a. I should I should start my own website and put some of this shit up actually. But um, Tim Burgard, who, God, I don't even know what he's doing now. He 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 was a he did a, a little bit of comic book work back in the day, but I think he found more. It was more um, uh, uh, better paying and easier to do animation and storyboards. Yeah. He did uh, all of the pencils, which were then lost because uh, during the move from DC, the old right, six, 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 six to seventeen, whatever on Sixth Avenue, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so that, that that was actually, but that's an, another example of uh, things just get sat on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a thing. I mean, that and it's just part of the business, and you know, like you said, companies go under and regimes change and a lot of stuff you know so a lot of things just just kind of sit there and lie fallow or you know or just you know someone walks up and shoots them in the back of the head and moves on so yeah it's it's a a heartbreak yeah actually i have a pander brothers um story that dovetails nicely with your your point with archie's point of view or his observation i was in um the group editor's office for the x-men books in the 90s and they were they were lamenting like i guess a dip in sales and they were trying to figure out how to generate more sales and looking for new artists and of course after i failed to uh lobby my own case i said well you need you should just do things that are unexpected like you should make the books beautiful and interesting and like hire the pander brothers to do some you know x-men stories and they all looked they looked at me and they're like who are the pander brothers so i was like okay well this is this is a no hope situation for me yeah. and like yeah so it was a quick conversation uh, yeah. <laughs> um all right so what's going like what's going on you've got like you've got this wealth of things by the way say the name of the novel is there any way for people to get your novel like the the printed novel no, is no, it- this is what i'm i'm hoping to do okay it- is launch it once i have we've done it me and jeff jeff have done this kickstarter yeah which we'll talk about in a minute um that i it, this will educate me enough that in the next few months i can do a second kickstarter that would just be me doing this book okay. i'd like to do a hardcover 
I'd actually like to kind of do it as a hardcover, like those uh, Wandering Star. Do you know those Wandering Star books? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they Wandering Star, for people that don't know, was a hardcover, beautiful hardcover editions that were done as a way for the people that had the film rights to Solomon Kane to do the to do a film so they kind of pres- it, it, it's a little bit like the the people that wanted to keep the fantastic four rights so they did that shitty roger corman fantastic four yeah. movie right years ago never intending for it to be released that with wild with wandering star they actually instead did these books that were very reminiscent of um shribner is a is a publisher that would do these incredible children's classics or you know, adventure classics with N.C. Wyeth illustrations, Maxfield Parish illustrations, etc. Um, the most, you know, one of the most famous being N.C. Wyeth's um, Treasure Island. Yeah, is- sure. We have a so, copy over there. So, so they they did these versions, and they got Gary Gianni, Mark Schultz, different artists to do beautiful dust jackets and and plates inside, and and um, little tiny spot illos at the chapter headings and things like that so i don't know if i can pull this off but i would like to try and find an artist that would want to do that aspect of it with me and, and do a hardcover yeah and you know hardcovers only sell that many anyway unless you're you know neil gaiman or or um, what's his name? Yeah. you know we know what's his name we all know him yeah um so so uh do that and and get it out that way first, and hopefully get some buzz. Mm-hmm. And and I, I mean, there's so much I have to get d- done though. I have to I have to start get this website that I'm sort of putting together finally up, up and running so that I can begin yeah. you know communicating more with my readers again and coming back into the real world. So so there's that. And then um, so but by the end of the year, I hope to have that into a in a in a place where people can read it. Right on. We'll, we'll, you and I will talk a little bit after we stop recording. Yeah. We can give you some, some, some names and some stuff to think about with that. I would love some, some advice on that. Yeah. And, then, and then we have, uh, obviously I'm, we're doing the Kickstarter and then I have uh, uh, two projects with, uh, with Dark Horse. I don't think they would want me to start talking about them just yet, unfortunately, but they're with great artists that I uh, have been working with and, and the editor daniel chabon who is michael chabon's brother oh, okay author. yeah my favorite um, literally my favorite author so his brother fantastic editor really nice so uh that's been going very well um i'm enjoying it and then um i have one more project that is i'm also doing with another pretty well-known artist um who is once he kind of pulls himself away from some personal stuff that he has to finish up, he'll be starting on that. So I have those going on. Um, and then the books, the book, yeah. the writing, and then, uh, and then, um, and then the, the Kickstarter with Jeff. Okay. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about Rogue's Kingdom. Yes. Rogue's Kingdom. So, but the backstory is I've wanted to work with Jeff since the days of Wonder Man. I, I, yeah. I used to go up, Every um, WonderCon well, back in the back in the day, with the early days when it was in Oakland. Yeah. Okay. And um, and uh, the the sort of what 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 I would do each time is I would go up a I would go up a couple of days early. 
I'd hang out with uh, an artist friend of mine, John Esther. So I did a, a Batman dead man painted book years ago for, with, for Archie. And we would smoke weed and play golf. Nice. And then we, and then I remember going to one like creators get together the day before the convention started. I was so high <laughs> and, and, um, there was this one creator, I won't say who, but he has a very high pitched voice. And I kept, I was so obsessed that there was a bee that was buzzing around my head. And <laughs> it was actually this guy's voice telling these stupid stories. Um, anyway, uh, so, so it was in that. So, so there used to be the Northern California group of writers. I mean, I'm artists mainly, mm -hmm. sorry, not writers. And it was, you know, Dan Brereton, uh, Derek Robertson, Stephen Jones and, and, and obviously John Estes. And then there was, there was, um, Jeff and he was, he is the nicest guy. Yeah. He's always been the nicest guy. And, um, I mean, he's, and he was in the army. I mean, he knows how to kill people with his bare hands, Yes, but he's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so in a minute. In fact, there's a, a I'll tell you a story, which I, I think it's a, the version I tell is about 75% true, but, you know, like Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, when you have a choice between truth or legend, print the legend. Right. So, so the so the truth is that they it was it was at San Diego, and it was Stephen Jones, it was Derek Robertson, a couple of others maybe I don't remember who else, and Jeff Johnson. And Derek Robertson would probably admit that back in the day he was a little bit of a mouthy, wise wisecracker, a little bit. You know, he he would speak first and and think about the consequences afterwards. So he so they'd all had a couple of drinks. They were in San Diego, not San Diego. Sorry, they were in San Diego, but they had big important point. They'd crossed the border to hang out for the night in Tijuana. Tijuana, so, sure, which is classic San Diego behavior, especially in the nineties. So they went they went there, and he got into a Derek got into a some kind of insult shouting exchange with a young lady who was with like four jocks right and one thing led to another and suddenly they're they're in a sort of street fight these so you've got comic book artists versus street jocks classic tough guys as comic yeah. book artists yes so they're having this sort of and i think it was stephen jones told me this part that they stephen jones stephen b jones and jeff are lifelong buddies they've been they've been friends for for 30 40 years long time and he said they were screaming and was fighting and all of a sudden it's such a quieter and quieter and quieter and and jeff johnson had just slowly like chokeholded and pinched and done all this yeah. kung fu not stuff and suddenly just diffused the entire situation in this calm zen-like manner like uh, david carradine in kung mm -hmm. fu so he's always had this quality but at the same time he's the nicest guy so I wanted to work with him forever. And we began talking about working forever. Um, I mean, we've had this project gestating for a good while. And it's it's a, a sword, and, sword and sorcery. Is yeah. that the right term? Yeah, yeah. I it's, in the, it's in that vein, yes. Yes, it's it's it has a, a fantasy feel, it although some of the some of the look and and the and the designs are more 16th century France. Yes. So it's it's in that nebulous sort of rogue's kingdom, not rogue, um, a Game of Thrones type thing where you can't quite place where it is or when it is or anything else. And it's it's basically 
the bigger picture of the story is that there are three kingdoms and they are all they all want each other's territory but they're they're held in check in the way that nuclear weapons keep us in check the world in check by their wizards Mm. and uh the, the one of these one of these kingdoms lumpland the others have beautiful names, Castle Infinita, and but but one is Lumpland. Their mage has died after you know four hundred years. Mages live a long time, so there's a caravan. This is the first issue: the caravan which has the new mage on its way from the temples to, in, in the mountains where mages are trained and trained and become mages, is on his way with his and he's a kid mm-hmm. with his. Older, older guardian and they're at the front of this caravan filled with traders and 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 travelers and all of that making their way across the fields towards Lumpland. and at the very back is a prison cart yep where where there's a sword a sword a cell sword named rondo manway and a young pickpocket named peachy least and they hate each other they're arguing and they're just <laughs> They're just, they do not get on. And then the caravan is attacked. Everyone is killed. And and um, without getting into too many details, these two are the, are the sole survivors. And they're, they're sort of going through the, the, the aftermath. And Peachy has this crazy idea that if he pretends he's a magician and Rondo pretends he's at the Guardian. They can get access to the city and they can take, you know, loot it, steal it, whatever, until pe- and and get away before people realize that they're conning them. So that's the and Ron and uh, Rondo uh, agrees. He has reservations because he's not a kid and he's and he's been down a few of these paths where things don't end so well in, in all the in all his years, but he agrees. But almost immediately, they it, it's a bigger picture that obviously the caravan wasn't attacked by bandits. So the, the, the target was the mage. There's more to it. So it's that it's them <clears throat> not wanting to get involved in this bigger drama. And yet they sort of they, they both develop consciences and and go from rogues to heroes over the course of, of the series. And at the same time, um, the king has. Uh, a daughter that at first he thinks is just the normal princess, but her name is Terra T. Yeah, what is it? T- yeah, T E R R A, Princess Terra. But the her sort of nickname will become Terra, like T E R R O R, because she at night goes out and has learned to sword fight, and she's this sort of heroic, swashbuckling young girl in her own right. Cool. And the inspiration for that is um, a, a Japanese cartoon from the sixties called uh, Princess Knight. Oh, okay. That was that was done by who's the who's the who is the animator that did um, the White Lion? The also. Oh yeah, the I mean the yeah, and I don't I'm, I don't yeah, I know somebody so, who but not me. It, it was one. It was one of his, uh, and he did the Amazing Three. Uh, he he's it was one of his that I saw as a kid in Australia. I was lucky enough in Australia they had um, anime that mm. would be part of uh, morning cartoons. So I never forgot the series, even though I've forgotten the guy's name that did it. 
so 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 she's another a, a, another part of it so there's all these different characters and at first it's they're dealing with Lumpland, and then they eventually will go to castle infinita and there will be dragons and there'll be all this fantastic stuff yeah and then and then uh jeff has been sort of wanting to do a book like this forever dude he's such a fantasy he loves fantasy like he may out he may outdo me in my obsession with fantasy like so so uh so he um yeah so 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 he's decided that this series he just wants to to try and be how foster mm-hmm. the, oh my god the, the 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 composition and the just the the world building he's bringing into this with the drawing is next level for him how 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 much have you seen i, I i'm not issue, sure how much issue one so he's like, you haven't seen issue two yet no, okay yeah so it's 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 um it's amazing art beautiful yeah. beautiful art and then uh we have uh matt Wag- talking to matt wagner earlier but his son Brennan. Brennan. yeah i mean it's crazy i remember <laughs> when Matt's wife was pregnant like going up there she's pregnant i remember uh brennan as a little tiny boy he was like three with bright yellow hair uh-huh. and now he's he's uh the colorist for the book he's and great he's, too he's a really good colorist very good colorist yeah so so um so 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 that's the book we're launching and then in the back of each book um i'm doing a text short story yep i read one of i think i think jeff passed one of them on to me so i read that so yes so it will each each issue will have a um a text a text short story which when it is when obviously at some point we will collect these you know the, the arc by arc uh, this is something i learned from from brubaker actually which is that um at, at one point we were talking me and ed and i said i would love to write something some crime fictiony article for the back of whatever this was back when he was doing co- comic books now they, they just do those hardcovers mm-hmm. uh and, and he said well that's fine, but you should know that that it's, it will appear once and never be reprinted because it's the reward for people that bought the comic and didn't wait for it to go to trade. Yeah, and I always thought that was a, a nice idea. I mean, comics are expensive, and there's nothing worse. I mean, if you if you're loving the series and you buy it issue by issue, it's one thing. But when you're kind of buying a series and you're like, eh, it's okay. And then issue five comes out or six, and then the the trade comes out a week later, and you're like, boy, I could have waited and just read the whole thing and saved some money. So having having the, having something that is only in the um, in the comic, I think is important. It means a lot to me and to Jeff. Well, it's it it helps it be or maintain the ephemeral nature of comic books, right? By the way, did you did you like my prose style? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 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 um, I, I'm not afraid of a bad answer or something like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So 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 it will it will each issue will have a, a prose story that will um, and I've I've written them all. I'm actually quite quite proud of them. And um, uh, we have uh, alternate covers by. Uh, Dave Johnson, Ryan Sook, Brennan Wagner, different people. Yeah, I mean, we have you know all the things that would make a uh, a great tiered uh, mm-hmm. set of the tiers of a Kickstarter. 
Yeah. We have already, and I believe we're launching in nine days. Okay, so, so let's see. Right that, today is the fourth, so that would be the thirteenth. Yes, that's okay. right. The Look at me doing some big math. Oh, no, that's that's right. And and uh, Jeff is having a uh, a, a live cam uh, drink and draw party on the thirteenth at his local comic book store. I think I will be on a TV screen somewhere. <laughs> Chiming in, I, I, I'm actually on the 14th. I'm going to uh, Phoenix to see uh, Jaden Naganda. So okay. otherwise, I would be in. I would be there. Well, you can say hi to Jamie and Steve because that's a, that's Rogue, that's Rogue City, uh, Rogue City Comics, which of course is appropriately the name for your book. Yeah, uh, they're great. I've I've I have family who live in the same town as Jeff lives, so I get to I get to go out there and uh, hang out at that comic shop and enjoy medford um oregon oh no i know everyone know that jeff lives in medford now now he's gonna have to choke out some more people oh yeah 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 well i mean <laughs> so kickstarter it yes. is it is it is a j-o-b so it is <laughs> it is a lot of work and it's an emotional roller coaster that you can be as prepared for it as you want to be, but you're going to feel it. It doesn't, there's no way around it. What, 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 what aspect, what, what brings these waves of conflicting emotion? So the first thing that happens is you're really anxious about getting everything in order. And I'm sure I've talked to Jeff and he's just like, there's so much to do. And there's a lot to do to get this whole thing kind of squared up so you can get it to have all your tiers organized, to have all your graphics together, to get all this stuff put together so when you actually do go live you can layer it all out and then you you go live and you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god is anybody going to do anything and there's two sort of things that happen very little action happens or you go boom straight up and it's this explosion of like you know whoa you know kind of respond oh, uh, yeah okay i'm already getting i'm already and, you know, and I'm telling you this, and you and you and you can you can listen to this a hundred times before you 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 go live, and you're still going to experience it. And then it's going to feel like is what I call the trench, is <laughs> like the space between the beginning of the second week and the end, right before your final week. There's this thing I call the trench, where you, I mean, you could say, "Hey, I'm going to do a strip." you know for every you know for every you know hundred dollars i'll take an article of clothing off you know like you could do a lot and you will get no attention in that period of time it it, it just it because it never matches what you think you're doing and then that last week for some reason who knows what the powers would be the the afterburners kick on and it just starts ripping up again and it's crazy um so I, I I am a not necessarily the right temperament for that kind of. Uh, I I'm it, this might be the death of me. Kickstarter might be the death of me. I, I d- download download a, a a meditation app and quickly begin a, a meditation process. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I need I need that or or a, or a, a bottle of uh, gin or gin. Of you can do both at the same time. There's no judgment here. You know this yeah, is. Yeah, judgment. Yeah his own but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing um it really does highlight your being a a business 
like when you do this, you're like, oh, I'm like, you have to think like a business and in, in, you know, when you're producing this stuff. So I'm really excited to watch how this all kind of comes together. And, you know, it, you, I mean, I know it'll be fine, but it's a question of like, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be engaging with Jeff throughout the whole thing to hear his uh, feedback and maybe I'll pick, I'll, I'll, I'll bug you at the end of the whole thing and see how you're, you're yeah, yeah, please. I'm, I'm, you're putting the fury god in me though i'm not I'm trying to put um, the fury god into you james i'm trying i'm just trying to i'm just trying to think it's this amazing yeah. it's this amazing thing that there are these forces that happen that just don't seem to like it's it's a it's just a repeating like you know it's like a it's like a detective book or a romance book there's a model and you just write the story that fits within the model and that's that's and the readers will be satisfied well for some reason, Kickstarter has a model and that's just kind of how it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you have lots of friends. They're all going to, they're all going to play. So, I, I, I hope so. I, I take my, if I have, well, if I have one floor, <laughs> if one of my many floors, I should say, is that I do tend to go off in my cave and friends forget about me and I forget about them. And it's not, it's not that I don't love them or care about them. I just kind of, I've always been a little bit of a loner. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. Man, I'm. I'm very much can identify with that. I'm. I like talking. If this is if this is not. Yeah, that's that's. A, I can see that. That's a good good trait. Good trait. But I, I, you know, I'm. I was. I was from a mixed family, so I have lots of siblings, but they're all halves and steps, and I'm the only one from my parents. So I'm very much like me, and I have to really be sh shook out of my own space at times to remember, oh, I got to call my friend back who's called me like six times, you know, and this is like my best friend. I'm like, okay, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, and he's like, I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm like, it's not you. It's just my mind. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not the by, by the way, uh, the more I talk to you, is it possible we met like 30 years ago? It's very possible we met we met 30 years ago. I mean, I was I went to San Diego a bunch of times in the you know, in the early to mid 90s and I was, you know, I lived in Manhattan for 25 years, so I was at the Marvel and DC offices all the time. Yes, there's there's a familiar quality to you. Not not a bad not a bad quality at all. Is it a high pitch um, annoying sound that makes you think there's a bee when you're high? No, no, no. That that's someone else. I'm kind of be. I would never be mean about someone, but boy, I'm just kidding. And, and I, I bumped into him at a convention a while, not that long ago, and he still has that same annoying voice. Right. I wasn't high at the time, thankfully. <laughs> well, you know, now you know the definition. It's legal in Vegas, but I, uh, I'm, I am not the pothead that of your but, of your your previous years. I, I was never a huge pothead. Yeah. I, I would. I. The problem is, this is an odd thing to admit, but I had a. When I was like nine, I asked my mother if I could try a cigarette. Hmm. She said sure, and I tried this thing at nine, and it. The taste of it was so disgusting to me as a nine-year-old, and I've never forgotten that taste. That I never smoked. I just couldn't bring myself to smoke. So as a result, the few times that I that I did kind of smoke to show off or talk to a girl that was smoking or something, I would end up just coughing my brains out. <laughs> my lungs are not are not the kind that like smoke in them. So as a result, I don't um, really enjoy smoking weed that much because I cough all the time, and it's just so I I, I do enjoy edibles. 
that's that's the that's the uh the, the game changer right there yeah yes and i also enjoy uh cooking with with weed okay you know uh i would recommend substituting weed for sage in a stuffing for chicken and you will <laughs> the best sunday dinner you ever you could have possibly yes totally how do we eat all this food you know it, yeah. it's built it's built into design to have you finish the meal yeah i love it i love it well um why don't we uh, put a pin on it here and um it was absolutely great talking to you. maybe we've met before and i'll just say yeah. it's, it's great to reconnect how's that we'll make this up and uh, I, i'm for anyone watching this i'm sorry that i i've i'm always been someone that rambles that has a, a very clear and succinct point but for some reason instead of going from here to here i'll take it all the way around and and sometimes i forget where i'm going and it just gets lost so i hope i i didn't do too much of that but i know i did a little bit well the good thing is is the the my job is to try to keep the uh, the rails you know in line yeah. what but uh i think anybody who loves what you do is going to listen to everything you have to say so uh good yeah, I, I hope I hope they it was worth. The, worth the <laughs> I'm sure it, it's 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 it'll be worth it for everyone. Um, thanks, man. I really really had a great time talking with you. Okay, thank you.